what I feel when I open it up to read it again is just this invitation to beauty like I've really never experienced in another book. Welcome to Classical Etc. You're in the studio with Memoria Press. Hello and welcome to another episode of Classical Etc. I'm Jessica Gardner and I've got with me today Martin and Tanya. Paul is out today, but we will make sure his contributions are shared. (laughs) Today's episode is going to be a discussion where we're each going to share a few books that have influenced us the most over the years. And apropos to that, we get to always share what we're reading. And on this round, (laughs) on this round, I'd like to hear if what you're reading right now is going to influence you or... (laughs) won't ever end up in a list that you'll remember. You're looking at me, so I, I assume you're asking mm-hmm. me. Um, I'm listening to one of the Sharp uh, books by, uh, what's his name? Um, I think mm-hmm. uh, the, the British author. You could start with Sharp's Tiger is the first one. Uh, You've talked about it so much. Yes, I should know I, his well, name. I'm in the third one. That's third not one Harlan one. Coben, is it? No, 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 no. Okay, because uh, you've talked about him recently. No. Um. I'll, I'll I'll think of it in a minute. Um, but it, it's uh, they're British. It's about British in India in in the military, and it's so utterly realistic. I've read a lot about British India, uh, John Masters books, uh, Bowani mm. Junction, and which I did not Deceivers. like. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Well, you read Deceivers. Mm. Yeah. I re- I did. Um, and and that's just a period that fascinates me. Here you you know the, the it's during the British um, Empire and 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 they're they're running India and, and having all these problems. With because they keep all these factions are fighting each other for different reasons and they get involved in this. Anyway, uh, the reader, I'm listening to it and, and the reader is just fabulous and does all these the Indian voices, mm. the different kinds of British voices. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sharp is just uh, a lower class Englishman and 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 yet whoever's re- the guy who's reading this can do that voice just as well as as these you know aristocrats who are who are the officers. You know, and he becomes an officer, even though he's not an aristocrat, because he saves a general's life. And uh-huh. it's just this, just the best storytelling, the but utterly probably, realistic setting. Probably not going to be on your list of most influential books. No, just but entertainment. You me what I was it's entertainment. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. Well, she also you know, asked you. It's if not. It was, it's not. Well, I mean, if you if you <laughs> ask me just for pure pleasure, uh, what I'm, you know, what I would recommend, um, and there are some. Th- this is very realistic, so it's not. It's not, there's no morality not. problems, but there's those issues for other people in the story mm-hmm. because it's it's very realistic. So you have to be careful with it. It's a very much a book for Adults. a mature adult. Yeah. But uh, but just the, the best historical fiction I think I've ever read. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Huh. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Um, Bernard Cornwell. There, there's, uh, there, it came it. To me. Bernard Cornwell. He has written an Arthurian series. He has written an Anglo, the uh, Anglo-Saxon invasions of England, a series mm. about that. There are twenty-two books in the Sharp series. Is it this all? This guy puts really high-quality stuff out at high volume. It's amazing. Is it all fiction or is it all fiction? Okay. Yeah. Somebody, somebody called him the the best historical fiction writer. And when did he write? Oh, he's still writing. Oh, he's currently. Yeah. He's a current author. Yes. Mm. And the show Sharp's. I know it's called Sharp's Rifles. That's the second. I can't remember, I can't remember the name of the show in England. Is very, the TV show mm-hmm. is very popular. I I watched an episode and it's it's good, but it's not nearly the quality of the books. 
Mm-hmm. I think sometimes when you watch a show, when you've become attached to characters, it's really hard, which is why Wendell never wanted his mm. books to be made into Wendell, t- Berry. He, Wendell Berry, because he told he said to me once, um, I just can't imagine that anybody could be those characters in my head. Mm-hmm. Who could pull that off? They're not yeah. ever going to be, right. because those characters to him are real people. Well, and if I was an author, I would feel the same way. Well, Tolkien felt that way. Yes. Look what happened to him. Oh, uh, right, yeah. <laughs> well. Oh, what about you, Tony? Well, a War and Peace. Yeah. Page number? Um, 907. Progress. Yes. I have 25 more pages. Oh, so you just got past the introduction. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have 25 more pages in volume three. Then I have to read volume four. And then the epilogue's 100 pages. <laughs> sure it is. <laughs> Why not? Right. So, but I am thoroughly enjoying it. Would it be on my list of most influential books? No. Would it be on my list of great accomplishments in my life? Mm. Yes, it would. But I do thoroughly enjoy it. And I've even gotten... um where I'm enjoying the the scenes about the war because they mm. are, well, they are full of um, Tolstoy's determinism. Mm. But but he has really interesting takes on why, you know, why each side won different battles. I think his take on Napoleon is interesting. I've mm. I'm interested all the way around now. It did take me a while in the first war scene. I was just going to ask that. Did your admiration or appreciation of those scenes come later? Yes, as you got it did. into it, it did yeah, as sure. as I got into it, huh. or maybe he just got better as he wrote. <laughs> <laughs> it took long enough, so maybe well, it takes a long time to create a world, yeah. and that's what Tolstoy mm-hmm. does. Yeah, you have to you have to fill it out, and you have to right. fill it up. And well, at the beginning, there are so many characters, and then you get to the war, and there's that many more characters. Mm-hmm. Because at that point, you've got all these generals and officers who are minor, mm. but it's a bunch more Russian names that you have to learn. So that's a little bit of the problem with War and Peace is that, you know, that's a real hurdle to get over, mm-hmm. but it's worth getting over. Mm. I would definitely recommend it for mm. anybody that wants to read an epic. And tell me the, I know you said before, what's the translation that you're using? Can you remember? Pavir people? and okay. Volkonsky, I think is okay. his wife's name. Okay. They did it together. I always say Pavir okay. and I leave her out, which is terrible because she had just as big, from what I read, I mean, her contribution was just as mm-hmm. large as his. They mm-hmm. did this together as a joint project, but I can never remember her Russian name. Okay. So I'm getting better with Russian names, though, as I read 900 pages of them. something, maybe starting with V and put a ski on the end. (laughs) Right. Got it. Well, that's what I just did. Mm. (laughs) I may not have gotten it, but it's close. Uh, I'm still trucking through the Lincoln Highway. Oh, well, it's a big book. It is. And I just started, I don't know if this is going to be one of my most influential books, but I just started Falling Upward by Mm -hmm. Father Richard Rohr. And oh, a lot of okay. people love his writing. Yes. And I haven't ever tried it before. I've never read him before either. Okay. Have you read Roar? Yeah. But he is very popular. He is. And he, this, anyway, so. Well, let us know if you like, if I you will. like it. People have, people rave about it. So. Yes. We'll see. Okay. If it makes it into anything that impacts me. What's the author's me. name again? Roar. Yep. Richard, Richard Roar. R-O-H-R. 
Mm-hmm. He's very. I don't even think I've I hear heard about of him person. all the time, so I feel mm-hmm. like I should read something by him. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to let you do that vicariously for me it's short while too. I, yeah. yes, I'm while I finish Warm Peace. <laughs> no, I'm not reading it's anything. Better that direction than the other direction <laughs> in terms of length. I've got to finish this book. Uh-huh. Although, although Lincoln Highways, it's big, but it's it's a much faster read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. no Russian names. <laughs> yeah. No, simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, who wants to go first and share one of the books that has had the most influence on them? And Tanya, you've got your stack here. If you're listening, you can't see it, but Tanya has a stack of her books. Where do you want to start? Because I followed the rules and the instructions for the day. (laughs) I'm surprised they let her put that stack in front of her with the camera because I'm Mm. not sure the camera can fully... Appreciate them? Well, well, I think you're behind the books. Mm. I hope our viewers can see you behind that stack. (laughs) I think they can. We were supposed to bring five. I obviously have more than that, but I can explain that. Um, and you have none, so I think I could actually do the whole thing. <laughs> but we do want to also um, point to Martin's book list. Yes, on the yes, on our right. website that people can refer to for children's books. That's right. We have a list of books for boys that Martin has compiled, and Lee Lowe also has a book list for girls which i forced because Mm -hmm. martin kept talking about books for boys books for boys and Mm -hmm. i said is anybody ever going to think about poor girls (laughs) (laughs) um and so lee put together a list she has Mm -hmm. four daughters and she put together a list for girls so they're both on our website with martin's original book list which has all ages Mm -hmm. oh yes Yes. well i mean then the reason i had the whole premise of my boys talk is that uh you hear this from homeschoolers that boys are not reading mm. like they should. So, so that's why I didn't have one for girls because girls are doing what they're supposed to do. <laughs> boys, as usual, uh, are not. So mm. uh, huh. that's why I put that list together because my thesis was that the kind of books that the book industry wants to foist on boys is not mm. what boys really mm. like. Well, and I think the same is true for like. girls too. too. Yeah. I think- well, my daughter, and the, the other thing is the girls will read uh, books that, boys really like a lot more easily than vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's what I found in my family. My, my daughter, she read all the same books my boys did and she was just fine with that. You know, she, mm-hmm. she had a, she had a, a bookshelf of, of Louis L'Amour novels about mm-hmm. that wide, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's another peculiarity. of. I, I had two brothers. I would not have read their books. I never read their books. What the Hardy they? Boys. No, oh, well, I was not. I was Nancy Drew. All the way. Mm. I know. That's just the. So I, I don't know that I agree with you, but what's new? <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> it's a shame we don't have Paul here. Poor Jessica's having to run interference between you and Both me. Both of you. Yeah. That's, yes. Uh, I don't, I don't. Don't uh, envy me. Yeah. And you normally share this list when you speak. The yeah, well, I'm book. doing, a, I'm doing another yeah. talk. Uh, it's called um, 10 More Books for Boys. Mm. Um, it's, it's my most popular talk uh, because, um, so, so many mothers are having this problem of boys who are not reading. Mm. And if you give them the right stuff, uh, they will like it. I'm also, I, I also actually give some recommendations on, on uh, movies, oh. uh, which, which people like too. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I have a sort of curated list of, um, so for example, I have one new this year on, on Western movies, the cla- old classic mm-hmm. Western movies, because they have the same ad- advantages, I think, for boys as uh, the books do. Mm. And so I uh, uh, just saw 
uh, last night, Flaming Arrow uh, mm. with Elvis Presley. Oh my gosh! Well, my, one of my points is that every almost every great actor in Hollywood uh, back in the forties, fifties did a western. They were so popular that everybody did westerns. You know that that was the most popular genre in movies mm. for probably twenty, thirty years. Mm. You should also um, choose some of your favorite uh, audible narrators for oh, boys' yeah. books because oh, yeah. that could help to to generate interest yes. in reading yes. for boys. And are you doing this talk? Is this your plenary talk at the conference? Uh, our conference here? Yes. No, uh, oh. I'm doing nothing for that. But this is for the uh, Great Homeschool Conferences. Oh, that we do. okay. Yeah. And oh. so uh, they'll do the that circuit. all over Okay. Yeah. Then let me just tell you right now. <laughs> You better have that list. Oh, typed I know, I know up. I'm putting together a list. Yes, I am. Yeah, because they, they so that will, we can give it out. They will, yes, because instead yeah. he he used to stand up there and say, <laughs> "Go to the if you <laughs> would like to have a copy. If you would like to know what these books are, go see Tanya Charlton at our booth." And then I, and give, so, I would give them her email address. That was what. We yes, and about. he did on a podcast. And so I was just inundated suddenly with all these people. I didn't have his list. He didn't think to share it with me. He just literally told people to come to me and get it. But we will be sharing it. If you are listening, <laughs> you can find these lists. Just linked. email Tanya. <laughs> no, do not. Linked in our show notes. And if you're watching on YouTube, we'll put it in the show description. So you will be able to find these. They're at your fingertips. And they're also on our website. You can search uh Books for boys or girls. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Tanya. Okay. Off. Okay. So the books that have been influential to me, it's like I'm going back through uh, my life through mm-hmm. literature. Um, the first one I picked up was The Mysterious Affair at Styles, which was my turn on to classic British literature. Mm-hmm. Um, Agatha Christie, this is her fa- first book. Mm-hmm. And I found her when I was, it was the, the summer after my first year of college. Mm-hmm. So I was 18. And I read 35 books that summer. Mm-hmm. And they were all Agatha, <laughs> Agatha Christie. <laughs> and my parents, th- one of the things that they did that was so wonderful is they always let us buy whatever books we wanted, mm-hmm. whenever we wanted. So I would, I remember in the summer, being at home, nothing else to do, missing, you know, college life, mm-hmm. but being at home and um, and saying, I need, you know, I'd be close to the end of an Agatha Christie and I'd say, I need some more. And mom would give me money and give me the car and I'd go off and buy five or six more. And that got me through that summer until I could mm-hmm. get back to my friends mm-hmm. and college life. So, so what that, makes that one stand out though? Because she has written... Oh, it doesn't really. Oh, really? Okay. It doesn't. It's okay. just that it happens to be the first one that she okay. wrote. I don't even remember the first one that I read. It could have been this one. I tend to read things in order chronologically. Mm-hmm. But because she has different main characters, I probably read all of Poirot, all of Marple, you know, mm-hmm. just working my way through mm-hmm. that way or whatever they had in the bookstore Yeah, because it was pre-Amazon days. So that's that's my youth. Okay. Um, and then I also brought um, so I, when my boys were little, I was in a book group with some amazingly smart women, and we took this book, Half Savage and Hardy and Free: Women and Rural Radicalism in the Nineteenth Century Novel 
by Judith Weissman, who died while we were doing this book. Mm -hmm. This took us a couple of years. She literally deals with every major author, like in a paragraph. Mm-hmm. And then we, so we would read the paragraph, say, about Hawthorne. And then we would read, oh, look, here's the list of what we read. Oh. Um, this is my list. So when we did the chapter on George Eliot, I read Middlemarch. I think we all read Middlemarch, but sometimes, like Dickens, I was the only one that read Dombey and Son, and everybody else read something different. Mm-hmm. We all read Vanity Fair. Um, Frankenstein and Dracula, which I never would have read on my own. You know, that's the thing about a book group is you will read things that you haven't read. I found Trollope. This book made a huge difference to me in introducing me to all of these. I mean, I'd majored in in college in literature, so I had read quite a bit, but I hadn't. I had never read um, Trollope. I had read mm-hmm. Thomas Hardy. I hadn't read Forster. I mean, it was just a really great experience. So that's my young adult Mm -hmm. influence. And then I think we're just going to say the Bible is not in my list because, um, you know, that's been a part of my whole life. Mm -hmm. And I think we would all agree that that is the most influential book in our lives. So I think we can just kind of put that aside as being just that is the book for for all of us. Mm-hmm. So I I did bring Mere Christianity though because this when I first read Mere, Mere Christianity this really helped to in a major way to solidify my faith and why I believed and so it means this book means a lot to me and I've reread it several times um because I, to me it is my foundational book about faith that in the same way that Climbing Parnassus is my foundational book for learning about classical education. So Mm. then I brought this book, Warriors of Mm. God, Richard the Lionheart, and Saladin in the Third Crusade. This was my introduction to the Middle Ages with Cheryl Lowe. Um, when I was teaching Famous Men of the Middle Ages, when I first started teaching, and I didn't know a lot about it, and I was teaching Famous Men, and so I bought every remaindered book at Barnes & Noble and at Borders, and so I I really educated myself in order to be able to teach fifth grade, which is just really a bit ridiculous. I have never heard of half these books. Mere Christianity? Who wrote Warrior? What was it called? Oh, James it? Reston Jr. It's really good. I've it's just one of, of the ones that I used out of so many. But it was, for me, it was a really great time for me to actually be immersing myself in one thing for a year and and then figuring out how to make all of this come alive for my students. It was really over the top to do this kind of prep to teach fifth grade, but that it's, that's just who I am. <laughs> and finally, I have two Wendell Berry books Aww. because this is the first one that, so we came to um, our, our church, not this, the one we're currently at, but the one that we were, where we were before. Wendell's daughter, Mary, was on the search committee that brought us to the church as a senior minister. And her, I knew her dad was an author. 
I'd never read anything by him. I had didn't really have any opinion at all. But the first Christmas, we had an open house for the church, and she came and she gave us this signed book by her dad. And I was afraid to read it because she and I, by that, you know, there are very few people in your life, I think, who are true kindred spirits, who truly are like you're like you connect soul to soul, which and she is is one of those people for me. And it's not that's not a relationship that you can make happen. You can't I don't um there are very few people in my life that I've got a lot of friends, but but she and I really connected very quickly. Mm-hmm. So by this time I had known her long enough and liked her so much and we were really getting close, you know, really less than a year into our relationship. But I was afraid to read this book because I thought she just thought the world of her dad. And I thought, what if he, what if this is awful? (laughs) (laughs) What if he really can't write? I mean, what am I going to say? So I put it on a bookshelf. Finally, I mean, it was on my bookshelf at least a year. I never picked it back up. Finally, for some reason, I read the story. I just decided during nap time for my boys one day, I was going to read Fidelity, which is another book she gave me. So I sat down and read that story, and I thought, oh, you have been a fool. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's... He was a brilliant author, and I just, I then picked this back up and read it, <clears throat> but but it was, I mean, I just was foolish, not, but I didn't know, and I was just afraid it would mess with our relationship. Which, yeah, which book is that and again? This is The Wild Birds, okay. But, okay. but I brought Jaber Crow, too, because this, to me, is his masterpiece, and this was the first book that, that my husband and I typed for him. So this one, this means a lot to me too, because it was the beginning of a business relationship, but also a great friendship that mm-hmm. I value dearly. Mm-hmm. So that's Jaber Crow. That this is Jaber Crow. By sorry, thank you. Mm-hmm. We radio, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, so that's my little. I mean, I brought Excellent Women by Barbara Pym, which mm-hmm. I don't know that this influenced me, but it was the this. Have you read this? I haven't. So should I? You should. I know you don't like murder mysteries, and this is mm. not one. So maybe okay. this is a book I could recommend that you would actually like. Um, it's about a little English village, excellent women. Mm. It's about a little English village with little English women in it, and um, it's very, it's very good. But it's 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 like a genre that um, Angela Thurkle and there was somebody else on the tip of my tongue have written in this genre of just like village life. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a, Martin, I don't know if you've ever seen the Miss Reed books, R-E-A-D. Mm-hmm. She, it, there's a big series of books. I, they're probably out of print, mm-hmm. but she's a school teacher in the little village. And so there's a bunch of them and they're just quaint books about life in an English village. And I just, I think maybe Miss Marple would really be my first introduction to that that kind of thing, but but this was my a real introduction to that genre just all by itself. Wonderful. That's it. That's all. What's well, more than the five? <laughs> it's more than the five. But if you count Wendell as one author, right? 
is still six. Mm. But see, this one gave me the opportunity to talk about yeah. all kinds of people who were influential in my life. And give us the title and the author again. Well, it I th- it may be out of print. Okay, It's called Half Savage and Hardy and Free Women and Rural Radicalism in the 19th Century Novel. Judith Weissman. I highly recommend it for a book group. Mm. Um, it is, I, I can't remember because I haven't read it in so long. Um, but I don't think it's, it's not like postmodern feminism I at see. all, Okay, even though it sounds like it might be, but she wrote this book in 1987. So, um, so I really think it's probably i hesitate to to recommend something that i haven't read for a while but i do think it's probably fine and not going to be filled with um hate toward men or (laughs) that's good yeah that's that's an advantage do you want to borrow my stack since you don't have one uh i've got my own stack thank you uh yeah are you looking at me because you want mine now Mm -hmm. yeah uh you know i i i love to put together a book list, <laughs> but it's, this almost was in too indefinite for me because I have, I mean, the one book that I have probably read 12 times that it has, in, that's an easy pick for me. And then there's kind of all the rest. So the one book um, that really influenced my thinking more than any other book is G.K. Chesterton's Orthodoxy. Oh, that's the book I can't get through. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I might not be able to get through some of these over here. Well, uh, you should <clears throat> do a class on it or something. That, oh, I, I mean, did. maybe we should I have do. Done a class no, I mean a, a Memoria Press little book club oh, thing okay. so mm. I can get through it to help me through <laughs> oh, I it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like yeah. I need help with Chesterton. Oh, no. You, you have to. And I, I, um, <laughs> I said this at a, at a, uh, uh, we, we uh, several of the classical people uh, have a, the classical unplugged panel at these great homeschool mm-hmm. conferences. We're doing that again this year, and we have fairly large audiences for those. and And so I made the mistake one time because we were talking about uh, Chesterton and Lewis. And Lewis was a great admirer of Chesterton, mm-hmm. and he talks about the yes. or the orthodoxy as well. And <clears throat> I, my experience has been <clears throat> that Lewis is a great sort of uh, <clears throat> oh, is that happening to my third Um Lewis is a great stepping stone, I think, to Chesterton mm. because he read mm. him, he was influenced by him, but he writes in a much more accessible, journalistic almost kind of style. Dale Alquist also helps me with Chesterton. And Dale Alquist is mm-hmm. a good interpreter, I, I would yes. say, of Chesterton. And so I said in one of these conferences, I said, it was just an inspiration at the moment. I said, um, well, um, Lewis is Chesterton for dummies. <gasps> and what I meant was, oh my it was, I meant it as You meant it like compliment. those books. Well, mm. I have, I have used several of those books. Some, there's several of them that are very good for what they're, the one on research writing. Right. A couple, I think they're very right. good. I meant it as a compliment, <laughs> but it didn't go over that one here. There was, ooh. Oh, God. <laughs> and so I had to explain myself. But what I meant was <laughs> that you really probably need to read a writer like Lewis before you try to attempt Chesterton. Because Chesterton also, and in fact, the irony is that that Lewis was the Oxford professor, and Chesterton was just a journalist. Mm. He he was never right. any, all, all, but he's he's and I think Lewis would have said this. He's by far the greater writer and thinker 
And so, uh, so but I, not I, as accessible but as not Lewis. As accessible. So I, 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 I just want to, to, sort of put a caution in here for people because Chesterton is is writing at a level, and it, it it seems advanced for us, but he was writing for newspapers in England in the Edwardian era, of the early twentieth century, after after Victoria, Queen Victoria dies, and uh, <clears throat> so it, it's not an it's not going to be an easy book for a lot of people. But it'll just give you an excuse to read it again because the, right. the, it is such a great book. We publish it here. It's with my introduction, actually, um, where I talk about him. And, uh, and so, ch- so orthodoxy, I think, would just be – there's that book and then there's, a, then there's all the rest. Everything else. And there's everything else. And, and you know, uh, Lewis's Mere Christianity, you have that here. <coughs> Lewis's Mere Christianity um, – is the best book of Christian apologetics I mm-hmm. think that's ever been written, and it's mm-hmm. not lo- not even long. It's, that's it's right, not one of the longer ones in your stack there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, you know, of course, the, the Lord of the Rings. I think mm-hmm. is I, I feel in my list from here on out. There's some there's some offbeat things, but it, a lot of it's pretty conventional. <laughs> well, mine was kind of offbeat. Too. Well, yours mm-hmm. was ex- radical women writers and. <laughs> um, but but uh, a lot of these are going to sound pretty committed. Lord of the Rings. Everybody mm-hmm. likes Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I think that uh, anything by um, Russell Kirk uh, mm-hmm. is, in terms of nonfiction, uh, there, uh, Russell Kirk and I would say secondarily uh, Roger Scruton, in terms of culture and and uh, sort of a, a, con- a culturally conservative, cultural conservatism. Those are the writers to read. Mm. Um, Russell Kirk's uh, The Roots of American Order is the best thing on American history and civilization I think I've ever read. Um, Roger Scruton is an English, was an Englishman. He died not too long not ago. Not too long ago. Um, but these, these, these were, the, these were, the, these were people you, you imagine, and Scruton was sort of this, just a country gentleman. You know, there's, there's so many, uh, I don't know, Trollope was actually worked for the postal service. Right. But, but these, these country gentlemen, well, Walter Scott would be an example of mm-hmm. this, who just lived out there and, and they, they, they wrote in their leisure time. And so you get this from Scruton very much. Uh, but, but his, his writing and his thinking is just marvelous. So is, and Russell Kirk is the American Roger Scruton. And then of course, all those, <clears throat> again, I feel conventional war and peace mm. and Anna Karenina. Are 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 books that when you read them you'll never forget them. They'll be just a part of your the, your mental furniture, mm. and and so those are those are um, those are necessaries. And then there's all these writers who I just depend upon for common sense. Mm. They'll always have the right view of something. I mean, people said this of Chesterton. If you if you if you want the right view of something. Go read what Chesterton mm. says about it. And I actually have a book. I've never seen it before since I bought it at uh, Sam Johnson's bookstore in Santa Monica, California. Mm. It's called an index to Chesterton. And it has it's subject, a subject index. Wow. Oh, wow. Of all his books. Wow. And so if, if I ever want to read what Chesterton said about I have the index there. You know? Do you have all of his books? I don't have all of his books. Mm. No, he wrote some over 200 books. Mm. I have a lot Did of them. Did he really? Oh, yeah. Are oh, they yeah. all in print? No, and that I do have some that are out of print, and right. um, but there, there's certain authors who I can I can always rely on for a view of 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 books or culture or whatever. One is Jacques Barzun, mm. who wrote From Dawn to Decadence, mm. which 
is which is just, on my list. Which is, mm-hmm. Oh, it's mm-hmm. you can just and that's a book you can just pick up at any point in it and and just start reading. I couldn't do that. Uh, that would make me nervous. Well, I know it would, but but I mean, you, you know, you don't. It, it's not. It's a, it's a it's a big book, but it's very readable. Read, yeah, you don't have to read it stuff at the beginning to understand what he's saying it in in the back part of the book. Also, I would say Harold Bloom, hmm. who was a uh, um, who was Jewish. Um, he was a book critic, and um, he just he just died recently too. And his book on Shakespeare um, is just transcendent. Um, I've got that, but it's in the stack of I haven't read yet. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he will he will go wrong in some places because he's a little bit of a Freudian in some of the some oh. of the, his interpretations of things. But if you know that, you can just discount for that. Right, and he's so wise. He he's. Somebody was interviewing one time and he said that he said he had read every book that mattered. Hmm. Wouldn't you love to have that list? I, I would love to have right. that list. Well, he does. And he does have books that have certain lists. Um, <clears throat> there's there's one book. It's not called it's not how to read a book, but it's something similar. I can't remember the name. And it's just it's just short little assessments of, books. of all kinds of different great books. That sounds hmm. great. Oh, it is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's wonderful. Um and um and so 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 Harold Bloom, uh, Terry Eagleton, is another culture literary critic. I have never heard of oh, Terry. He Eagleton. is he his book. If you take a literature, uh, uh, any kind of lit crit type of mm. class in college, his book Introduction to Literary Criticism is like a bestseller. It's the only literary critical book that is an actual bestseller because so many people have read it. Eagleton. Very, Terry Eagleton. I've never now, heard of this. Now, okay, uh, qualifications here. He at least thinks of himself as a neo-Marxist. Hmm. Oh. But he's clearly gone past that and has, I think at this point in his life maybe, is looking back on that part of his life a little bit, but he's thoroughly Christian. Um, and people will say, how he's can a you Christian neo Marxist? It, it sounds strange, but, uh, okay. And some of his stuff, you'll, particularly his early books, he'll, it'll, it'll be like, it's more like the social gospel type of thing. But, you know, I will read writers who don't agree with me on everything. I will too. But, and, but, but that's because we're mature adults. Exactly. I think for yes. students to read things yes. like that, they need to yes. do it with an adult right. who can guide them. That's, right. That's the thing is the books that we're talking about aren't necessarily for the classroom mm-hmm. at all. They're yeah. personal, personal books that we've read as Absolutely. adults. Right. right. But these right, are books right. that have that have affected my thinking and I think that and even the introduction to literary criticism book, I was scared to read that because I'm mm. thinking, oh, this is used in all these colleges and universities that are all woke. Right. You know, That's this right. is one of the reasons. And I read that book and I'm thinking, yeah, of course. <laughs> this is, and because he, he's not doing politics and he's, he's yes. talking about literature. And it's, he's just a great writer. And a uh, his book, um, uh, Culture and, oh, I'm, I need to remember that book because it's, uh, the book I'm thinking of, maybe I'll remember the title, uh, that he wrote is all about how um, all the things we are using as a culture to replace a belief in God. And it is utterly Interesting. fascinating. Oh, it's all of these her- her- modern heresies. Hmm. Um, I'll, I'll, we'll maybe post that. Just uh, for Western it, culture? Uh, part, this is for... The heresies... The, yeah, the book of, the, of, of, of our thinking and all the mm. things that are, are 
which you call them surrogate deities for mm. us. Today. Like money, power. Yes. Those well, kinds of that, things. but those are more obvious ones. He's got some others that are not as obvious. Oh, interesting. Just, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Um, okay. And then, um, yeah, so there's more, but um, I, I, I have. But loved, that's more than five. Mm-hmm. Well, mm. yeah, over here. <laughs> yeah, we just can't get it to five. No, I've no. actually only got two. Can't do that. That's amazing, Jessica. <laughs> How many does Paul have? He has eight. I bet we can guess some of Paul's. You think so? You yes. Want to try? The okay. Count of Monte Cristo. Definitely. The mm-hmm. Count of Monte Cristo. That's Anna Karenina. on here. That's on here. Um, mm-hmm. Jaber Crow. Yes. We've got three out of the eight. Okay. Okay. What else have you, you got? You can guess guess his favorite author and then think of some titles. Oh, Graham Greene. Yes. Oh, yeah, oh well, yes. I mean, what would they be? He listed Monsignor End of the Affair. Oh, he just listed he didn't one. List that. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. But he does love he does. Well, he loves them all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, what else did he give? I'm Those were his personal favorites. Okay, you listed yes. them all: Jaber Crow, Boy, Anna we Karenina. Knew, we know him, don't we? The Count. Mm-hmm. And professionally, you can probably guess those too. Climbing Parnassus mm-hmm. is on his list. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know. Tanya knows about this. That's Father oh, Leo's book. Oh, Father yeah. Leo's book. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's so that's actually just, that's a thesis. Hmm. And the interesting thing is, so Father Leo is at the Far Oratory in okay. um, Far Texas, down okay. Edinburgh, Edinburgh uh, McAllen area okay. on the border. Okay. And he's just an, just an amazing person. And his thesis for his um, PhD is it's this big, you know, bound in a thesis book. So he, we were coming down to do training at his school, Paul and uh, Cheryl Lowe and me. So um, we were asking, you know, what if they had anything in particular they would like us to talk about. So Father Leo mails us his dissertation and says he would like somebody to speak on it. So we gave it to Paul, who literally read it on the plane. Enough of it, you know. He's Got the, the overview. He's the best educated of all of us. <laughs> yes, he did. And then he gave one of the best speeches that I've ever heard Paul give on that on that dissertation. If it weren't so big, I feel like we would publish it. Maybe at some point we'll just publish <laughs> a piece of it. I don't know. But I, I totally get it. It, it, and it was on classical education or anything. Yes, it was on classical okay. education, and okay. it um, it re- Paul talks about it. He's kept it. He's got it at his desk, mm-hmm. and it it did really influence him. Mm-hmm. That run through that thesis. Mm-hmm. So so when he spoke, you know, when he spoke using um, some of Father Leo's points, I think you know he was really. Um, really engaged mm-hmm. in and fired up and passionate mm-hmm. about it, and I, I I could hear that in his talk. Mm-hmm. It was a good talk. He should give it again. Mm-hmm. And uh, we mentioned climbing Parnassus. Mm-hmm. If I was to put do a list of books on classical education, that would certainly there would be two books at the top, and one would be that one. But but I did, and I didn't realize this till just recently again that that. The reason I knew about R.W. Livingston's uh, A Defense of Classical Education was because Tracy mentions it in there, I believe. And so we had uh, at Memorial Press Books, um, <coughs> excuse me, Memorial College Books, we, um, we are reprinting 
Livingston's A Defense of Classical Education. Mm. And I would put those two books at the very top. So would Tracy. Any, well, I don't yeah. think Tracy would put his own, but yeah, he would right. definitely put Livingston. Um, I found out about the Livingston book from Cheryl, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. wanted to publish it. And so we found it and we formatted it, but we never did anything. Like it was just one of those projects that got put aside. And what's the title? A Defense of Classical Education. Okay. Defense with a C. Because okay. he's British by Livingston by R. Okay. W. Livingston. Okay. Yeah, he was writing that book was printed in 1917, and 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 again, Tracy is the only one I've ever heard who even talked about this. But there was a big debate that went on at the in the first two decades of the 20th century about the value of classical education and what schools were for, because that's a time when you know nobody really goes past high school. This is really actually the way it probably should be now because we just have this whole bureaucracy that feeds on people going to school and being there and serving time. But, you know, you went to school and you actually learned something useful and, and, but, but it was very much teaching Western civilization Mm -hmm. and schools. Uh, It wasn't a jobs program. It wasn't, you know, professional development of any kind. It wasn't, um, it was general uh, education. Yeah. It wasn't psychology. Education and, for everybody. Psychology class, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so he is the, the Livingston, Livingston book comes out, and he's he's thoroughly understands what the objections are that people are throwing out at classical education, and he writes this defense that is just utterly brilliant. I reread that again mm-hmm. recently, and it's a wonderful book. So it's at the printer. We will have it yeah, soon we'll have for it. Memoria um, Press. But Trace, yes, for Memoria Press. Okay. And but Tracy, well, it's on the Memoria College imprint, but it'll be okay. sold on both sides. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tracy told me recently that if we had done that earlier, he probably would not have written Climbing Parnassus because that book really he said he wrote wrote Climbing Parnassus because there was nothing in print that made the apology for classical education mm. that was that. Mm. And he, he wrote that he, uh, Tracy was an, still is an editor at National Review Magazine, and he was an acolyte of William F. Buckley Jr., who, you know, the great conservative thinker who ran that magazine, for, uh, founded it in 1955. And, and it was Buckley who pressed him to write the book, he told Well, so. This and climbing Parnassus. It's the American version him, of the Livingston. That's book, right. Interesting. We need okay. this. We need this yes, book because yes. this is. I, I feel like it's more accessible, um, easier to read than the Livingston book. They're both making the same points, but they're mm-hmm. making them differently. Yeah. And Tracy's just a. He is just a wordsmith. Yes. Mm. His writing is beautiful and his sentences every sentence has been thought about so Hmm. so i would consider that we need both yeah Hmm. i I totally agree with that you can't have too many apologies for a classical education (laughs) and and livingston i believe is british Um, yes so Mm -hmm. so you you're getting a slightly different angle on it because tracy talks a lot about the founding fathers in in yes he does does. it's the best treatment of classical education and the founding fathers that you'll you'll ever find and to to back up Tanya's point, Tracy, I, I, I want to write like Tracy when I grow up. I mean, <laughs> Tracy has the most beautiful he writing. Does, prose, yes. It's, 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 it's almost leisurely. Mm-hmm. It, he's got, he's got that, that sort of leisurely journalistic style that mm-hmm. I just absolutely love. It's very similar to Joseph Epstein's writing, mm-hmm. another favorite of mine and another writer I would recommend uh, the essays. He's got 
probably 30 books of essays. I'd read any one of them, Joseph Epstein. But I love Tracy's writing. It's it's just a a pleasure to read. It is. It is. Mm. So what are your two? My two, the top is A Severe Mercy. Oh, yes. I talked about it before. I think I said a couple episodes ago, I try to read it every year. I haven't gotten to it the last two years or so. And I was trying to think about why it was so formative to me. And I think what I feel when I open it up to read it again is just this invitation to beauty. Like I've really never experienced in another book, even though it's someone's memoir. Can we call it a memoir? Yes. Yeah. It's it's a memoir of people's love and their life of working out their faith. I just found it to be so tremendously beautiful and an invitation into a consideration of beauty that I hadn't ever experienced before. Hadn't experienced or really for me, I hadn't ever that concept of severe mercy. That's right. Is so unique. I had never even considered anything like that. Mm -hmm. And the beauty, I think, of broadly love, God's love, how it's so multifaceted in the ways that it enters into your life. Yes. And not giving any spoilers in case you haven't read it. Uh, and and the love between two people yes. who are bound to each other right. through their love and then ultimately through their common faith. Um, all of that played out and, and was woven together in such a... It was, yeah. It well, just, he's a good writer too. He is. That helps. Well, and his and, poetry. And we should point out that uh, Tracy Lee Simmons is... Sheldon Van Auken's godson. That's right. And lives in Sheldon Van Auken's cabin. He at, does at UVA. And and he had Tracy has done a seminar here mm-hmm. at, on the book. Yes, mm-hmm. at our conference on the Severe Mercy book. It was a few years ago at a, our summer conference and I could not go. But yes. if that's recorded, I you might should have to listen. get a hold of that. Yes. I should. It would be nice because he yes. talks really about his personal relationship. Really? Okay. Yes. And it's very, it's very good. to listen to that. Yeah. Okay. My second book is obscure, but so formative. It's called The End of Our Exploring by Matthew Lee Anderson. He got his- um, Never heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. He got his, I think it was a DPhil in ethics at Oxford, and now he teaches ethics at Baylor. But he's a philosopher, a writer, and he wrote The End of Our Exploring really as a, I would say, a guidebook through his reflections on how to question well and how to hold the the questions of others in in your community or in your family, how to kind of um, move through the probably what he would call like the purgative fires of like life's difficulties that raise questions or, um, you know, when you're faced with like just the ambiguities or the what is happening. Um and it's a really beautiful book. I'm going to have to find that. The End of Our Exploring. Well, interestingly, a few months ago, he totally revamped and republished it. And mm-hmm. he re-released it as a book he retitled called Called Into... Let me get it right. Yeah, Called Into Questions. He looked back... It's 10 years old. He looked back and thought, 
ah, like that was pretty angsty of me. <laughs> and so he rewrote several parts of it pretty significantly. I haven't, it just came out, so I haven't read it yet, but I want to reread and just, cause I've read the initial one so many times and I just felt, um, it, I related to it so much, but it didn't end there because it's really equipping. It's formative and equipping, which I think was helpful. Uh, it was, it's been very helpful to me. And I'm interested to know, you know, a decade later, I've changed. The book has changed. I want to see like what is different. Right. Oh, I would be really curious know, about that too. And it's, it's brand new. So it's on my list to grab. But when I have time to just enjoy it, I don't want to rush. Right. So right. I think if I had a bonus third book, it I don't want to say it influenced me greatly, but one of the most enjoyable things I've read in the last maybe eight years, five years, is um, Anthony Doris' All the Light We Cannot See. I was wondering uh, if you I loved that, that book. Yeah, it was beautifully written. I liked it. Have you read the, the <clears throat> Cuckoo Land one? No. His, Cloud Cuckoo it, that's Land? That's one of the... Is that the I name? don't know the, the title. Yeah, yes, it is. I think Paul read it, but then he wanted okay. he I'm not sure what he thought about it. Okay. It was different, but I read all the light you cannot see. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um I wouldn't say it was my favorite. Okay. But I certainly didn't go on to read anything else by him, but I did I did enjoy the story. I thought I think he's a good storyteller. I yeah, I did too. They just uh Netflix took took it and turned it into a show. I saw that. And I tried maybe the first 10 minutes and maybe they represented it well i don't know but i realized watching the show how actually dark the how, how sad dark. it is dark. the book is but yes. i didn't feel that reading it and then i saw part of the show and thought i can't do this <laughs> i think it's much easier to do sad in a book yes than in yes. actually watching I people agree. act out sad I, agree. I don't know why but maybe because it's just when it's just you and the book then it's just a much more intimate relationship, yeah. I think. And you're the architect of even what you see in your mind. Right. Does that make That's sense? That's true, yes. So you can kind Instead of... Instead of somebody else telling you, yes. this is what you should see in this book. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's okay. the case with a whole lot of things. It is That's the true. case with a whole lot of things. Well, we've missed Paul. Yeah, But it's nice but to have his list. And it shows that list. we know him well. All eight? Yes. Yes. Did we do all eight? We did. Okay. We might have left out some of his professional. We did climbing. Oh, simply classical, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He said seven myths about education. Oh, I love that one too. That would be at the top of my list really? too, right okay. under climbing Parnassus. Yes, okay. I feel like that book really helped me just to know all of the different, um, the different theories about education and the, the different things that the have been tried that have yes yeah now she that's daisy christa Dulu's yes. book you're talking about mm-hmm. seven myths about education, about education. and <clears throat> just I, I i like that book but she is drawing on some other writers who i mm-hmm. already kind of know so i i i consider hers a little bit secondary but a lot of what she says in that book comes from ed hirsch who, oh sure! Who wrote "Why Knowledge Matters" yes. and "Cultural Literacy," and so about half the book really comes from Hirsch. Right. It's just it's smaller. Mm-hmm. It's very. Um, yes. It's like a snapshot, I guess, uh, yeah. because it is a very small book that costs a lot. I think it's like thirty dollars, mm. and yeah. it's it is a small. It's smaller than any of these. Right. 
And it, but it does give you just a snapshot of seven and, different and if, myths. If we ever do a show, we probably should on five best education books. Mm-hmm. I would put Hirsch's Why Knowledge Matters mm-hmm. on there. It is the okay. best case for why you teach content mm-hmm. and what, in, in, in his other book, um, the schools we uh, need schools and why we, need we don't, why have, we don't them. have them. Mm-hmm. That's the best book on why we're not teaching it. You Interesting. Know, so, yeah. Okay. So much to well, read still. <laughs> the lists keep you got, growing. Yes. You guys have added some things to my list. Yeah. Likewise. Not, not, yeah. not sharp. Hmm. Not sharp, huh? No, I'm not you adding like sharp. sharp. I don't. Th- like sharp. No, I didn't like Matt. I didn't like the deceivers. I don't think I would like that. Uh, it's different from that. But, mm-hmm. I, you know, I do. I have loved several of your mm-hmm. Um, fun reading authors, mm-hmm, yeah. one in particular. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which she's not, not going to mention because they're tough. They're, well, they're, they're, they're they are tough. They are very tough. It's literally, it's James Lee Burke. Okay. And okay. he is a beautiful writer. He writes classically, really. He does, mm-hmm. and he's a but, Catholic. But the uh, ones, yeah. the series that he that he writes it's that a, I love the best is a detective is story, a detective but, story but with a are, lot of violence, yes. a lot of death. Yes. Hmm. Um, some racy scenes that okay. it, I mean, they are literally for mature adults. Yeah, they're they're but realistic. So well written. And, and but he also writes about uh, Montana, some th- western yeah. kind of books. Well, in, in East Texas, uh, the um, okay, uh, the what character um, starts with an H. Yeah, got to go back. But yeah, but we we careful about recommending those because they're they're not I- immoral at all. In fact, he is. He is a Christian writer, really. and he there's such but, wisdom tucked in. And there's in. such wisdom tucked in there. But they are there is a lot of it, it is very realistic. And if yes. you can't handle that realism, then don't sure. even bother. That's right. Mm. That's right. So you would either love them or hate them. I think. Right. I didn't um, mention Kristen Lavernstetter. I think that made the it. Hackberry Holland. Novels. Hackberry. That's yeah. right. Hackberry yeah. Holland. Yeah. yeah, the Holland family. Yeah, there's another yes. two series he has. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we have really cram jammed this episode full of <laughs> Good thing Paul wasn't authors. here. That's right. We wouldn't have gotten finished, or either Martin and I wouldn't have been able to talk so much. <laughs> but it was good. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today. If you would like to find the book list for boys and girls, like we said, you can check it out on our website, memoriapress.com in that search bar, or you can go to the show notes in your podcast or the show description. If you're watching on YouTube, they will be linked in those places. Uh, We're glad you're with us and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today on Classical Etc. by Memoria Press. If you like what you heard, you can follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about Memoria Press, please go to memoriapress.com. This has been Classical Etc. We're so glad you joined us, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Memoria Press Podcast Network, providing a classical Christian perspective on the world of education. To learn more about Memoria Press, visit us at memoriapress.com. To connect with us, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.